Hey there, friends of Holy Shenanigans Podcast. I'm thrilled to share that I'll be recording live from the Wild Goose Festival this July 11 through 14. Wild Goose Festival is a transformational community grounded in faith-inspired social justice. It's a one-of-a-kind gathering that brings together activists, artists, and seekers from all walks of life to explore justice and art, spirituality, and community. The festival will take place at Van Hoy Farms in Union Grove, North Carolina, and I'd love for you to join me there. From engaging workshops to inspired panels and interactive experiences, Wild Goose has something for everyone. So mark your calendars and let's be part of this incredible community that is committed to making a positive impact in the world. For more information, visit www. WildGooseFestival.org. As one of my followers, use a discount code A-TLE24. That's A-TLE24. And you'll get $50 off the price of an adult weekend ticket. We will see you there at the Wild Goose Festival to connect, to build community, and to work for social justice. shenanigans. I'm your muse, Tara Lamont Eastman, a creative, a feminist, and a pastor. In this week's episode, we hear a Jesus story about the bread of life. We ask, what are we really hungry for? And hear a holy shenanigans story about music, fry bread, and love. Today is the second of five Sundays with the gospel reading from John being focused on Jesus as the bread of life. There is a connection in this lesson to the Old Testament story of the Israelite people escaping the rule of Pharaoh from Egypt, as well as their enslavement as they travel through the wilderness eating manna, a strange bread that would appear each morning like dew on the grass. This gospel dips into the history of the Jewish people. It refers back to this story of the hungry being fed faithfully each day by the provision of God and connects Jesus as this new kind of manna, the bread of life. He names himself as the bread of life. In this conversation with a crowd who are looking for some bread that will last and stave off their physical hunger, and with this talk of being the bread of life, he got their attention. Jesus tells the crowds that this manna their ancestors ate was not really from Moses, but from God, and that he is not just any teacher. He is God's manna to provide for the physical and spiritual hunger for all of humanity. Jesus is trying to set a table for the people to gather, to help them to gather the gifts of who they are and to bring everyone together into a community that is offered by God for all people. This manna of Jesus, this bread of life, is a big idea and one we'll be spending the next few weeks thinking about. If we think back to the lesson from last week, the loaves and fishes story where Jesus literally feeds thousands of people with two fish and five loaves of bread, the invitation to take part in this bread of life, the connective, graceful, 
loving kindness of God has already been started. Jesus, this bread of life, brings humanity to God's table. And while it seems like there's not nearly enough to meet all the needs we see around us, I'd like to lift up the thought that if God and people work together, there is a miracle that can happen of not too much, but just enough. Our gifts are part of this offering, but not all of it. Jesus takes the littlest and least to transform this world into a world God desires, a world where all the hungry are satisfied. So my holy shenanigans friends, what are you hungry for? If you have ever been on a road trip with a group of people, I'm sure you can recall how the needs of the group require the group to slow down in order to meet each person's needs. Some people walk fast, others walk slowly. Some have medical needs that require regular stops for snacks. Bathroom breaks are a must. People have needs, and those needs require time, attention, and response. All of which bring me to this week's Holy Shenanigans story. One of the various jobs I've had over the years was working as a gigging musician. Most of this work was found at music festivals, malls, and many VFWs, moose clubs, and American legions. Thank you for your support. Wherever this work took me, I had the opportunity to meet new people and to see some new places. At one point, I was working hard to break into the club scene, and at a friend's invitation, I went to the local watering hole that was known to be the best hangout for musicians to connect and to find gigs. Most of my music gigs at this point had not been in clubs, but I was told the only way to get gigs was to hang out with these gigging musicians. And so I went one Thursday night to the music club with my musician friend in hopes that I could get my foot and my music in the door. But when I went into that club, I didn't know what to do with myself. In my beginnings of life, hanging out in bars was not something I'd been encouraged to pursue. But as I'd heard, if I wanted to find a gig in this town, I needed to get out and network with those music people. I needed to build trust. I needed to share some hanging out time with the people. Having a friend with me helped to establish some street cred as a local musician, and it was a stroke of good fortune. He introduced me to his friends and paved a way for me to get to know some of the others. But I was still nervous. Would hanging out in a bar sipping soda actually help me break into this music scene? But I sipped my soda, and I wiped my nervous sweat off of my brow. And I tried to hear the names of the people I was introduced to over the din of music and bar noise. My friend had stepped away to take a spin around the room and came smiling wide, walking back with someone for me to meet. The gentleman walked up, shook my hand and said, hi, I'm Keith. He asked me then if I would like to sing for a benefit gig at a hotel the following night. He explained it would not pay, but he would love to have me sing. I asked him about when we might rehearse and what we might be singing or performing. And he simply said, don't worry, we'll check that all out at Soundcheck. My friend and I had both been invited to perform with Keith the following night. My friend was so excited and I was terrified. 
I knew that a sound check rehearsal meant, well, no rehearsal, and that this would be a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of opportunity. Was this the kind of break that I actually wanted and needed? Time and a good sound check will tell. So I did agree to this hotel gig. It was a benefit for a woman fighting cancer. So how could I say no to that? I arrived the next day early at the hotel and brought another musician friend with me. We went into the room for our rehearsal, and it was a very loose representation of rehearsing. It seemed more like more hanging out than trying to get the song right. But right was not necessarily what this gig was about. The stage area was on the dance floor of the hotel bar. Colorful stage lights lit up that smoky room. There were wires and amps everywhere. My musician friends had brought with them what seemed to be every percussion instrument on earth. And for that, I was extremely thankful. At least I had something to shake or hit along to this music that I'd never heard before. The music began to play, and I buckled up for an unrehearsed musical adventure that would become much more than I'd ever imagined. Keith came up to the microphone and thanked everyone for coming to the benefit. He went on to say how sad he was that the woman whom the benefit was for had passed away just a few days ago, but how the funds gathered would be a help to her family. At this point, Keith explained that all the musicians had given up their time to be there and that it would be our tribute to the woman and her family to play a song that he was well known for called Fry Bread. He called the family to come to the middle of the dance floor. The woman's sisters came to stand in the middle of the dance floor. They wore a face of grief, weary but sleepless, standing but swaying. The music started and Keith strummed his guitar. He shouted out the chords for the musicians to follow along as he sang, He said that you said he said, that she said you said he said, that she said you said he said, that she said you said he said, all I'm asking for, fry bread, fry bread, fry bread. Keith called other people to come to the floor. This song was familiar. It was a staple of this community. And so the crowd surrounded the women, shuffling, dancing as best they could. The song continues. He wants to settle down out on the edge of town, far from the neon lights, under the stars so bright, fire glows and flickers between the cactus breakers. As the music continued to play, Many, many people gathered around the two sisters, weeping and dancing, singing along with Keith on the chorus of the song, clapping their hands together to make some sound. Out on the edge of town, he wants to settle down. All I'm asking for, fry bread, fry bread, fry bread. It was a call and a response like a liturgy I'd not yet heard. One would say fry bread, the other would echo back, fry bread, clapping their hands in joy. It is a liturgy that I'll never forget. All I'm asking for is fry bread, fry bread, fry bread. This community 
knew something about living into being bread of life. They surrounded the grieving family with money and food and spiritual support. In that hotel bar, I witnessed the holy shenanigans of God's comfort and healing, sung in an unrehearsed song by a ragtag band, and it was beautiful. Later on, I would come to learn more about the gentleman named Keith that invited me to come sing that day. Keith Sokola was born in Cook, Minnesota, and is affiliated with the Anishinaabe tribe, meaning original person. Keith is an accomplished artist, musician, singer, songwriter, composer, and producer. He plays guitar, flute, mandolin, banjo, harmonica, and piano. A seven-time Native American Music Award winner, Sokola has earned NAMIs not only for his music, but also for his abilities as a producer. In 2011, Keith Sokola was inducted into the Native Music Hall of Fame. To learn more about Keith's music, go to www.sokola.com. Following this chance, holy shenanigans meeting with Keith Sokola, I did a little bit of research around fry bread and why it was important to his culture. Credits to purpich.mn.gov for this little history lesson. Fry bread is a tradition in most American Indian tribes and communities all across the United States. It was first made in 1864 out of necessity. In that year, the United States government forced Navajo Indians to move from their homelands in what is now northern Arizona to the eastern New Mexico area. This was a walk of 300 miles, and hundreds and hundreds of people died. In their homeland, Navajo people had hunted, found berries in the woods, and grew beans and other vegetables. The new land in New Mexico was not suitable for growing any of these familiar foods. Instead, the government gave them flour, salt, and lard. Fry bread was the Navajo people's ingenious answer to the question of hunger and was their main food until a treaty in 1868. Today, fry bread contests take place at powwows and people wait in long lines to buy it from vendors. Sometimes fry bread is topped with honey or it is used as a base to make a special kind of taco. Fry bread became the answer to the question, what are you hungry for? for the Navajo people. Sadly, this was a question that came out of people forgetting the made in the image of godness of people. It is so easy to forget our interdependence with everyone and everything around us, so much so that we can stop caring about people. When we disregard the sacredness and the interconnectedness of people, we fail to help others overcome their suffering and we also unconsciously harm ourselves. Recently, following a workshop focused on racial justice, I listened to the attendees reflect on the presentation and the essential work of anti-racism in our churches, communities, and the world. I jotted down a few of the things that were said because it was like verbal fry bread of wisdom, speaking of the interconnectedness of people. They said, if we believe that God is the God of loving kindness, then anti-racism work is a central part of living out our confirmational promise. 
that we need to be the bread of life, Christ, to our neighbor. We need to ask, who is our neighbor? And how can we, can I, help them? If not now, when? If not me, then who? These reflections remind me of that liturgy I learned at the Sherman Hotel that night. To be the beloved bits and bobs of who we are, to take them to God and to one another and say, what can we do with all this together? I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for the kind of community that loves one another the way the people at the Sherman Hotel did. What are you hungry for? Earlier this week, I found myself in a place of unexpected grief with the news of a dear friend passing away after a battle with cancer. I found myself longing for that smoky dance floor at the Sherman Hotel, for people dancing and weeping and singing. All I'm asking for is fry bread, fry bread, fry bread. Jesus, bread of life. I don't understand why life has to have so much loss in it. But I am thankful even in grief for music, for family and friends, for fry bread, and of course, for the Sherman Hotel. And now this week's poetic bread of life called Sherman Hotel. Sherman Hotel, what a story you tell with dancing feet and eyes that weep as deep as a well. Weary hearts will seek and find you, looking for something to fill the space of loneliness, of discontent, of wandering time and space. Sherman Hotel knows me well. My face can tell of the people I meet on that dreary street as long as a swell. Rolling over and reaching out, arms embrace and wave about. Awake, a dance, and comfort races, remembering a gentle face. Sherman Hotel reminds me well of the sadness and the hell that could be erased and never come to this place, covered in love's deep swell. Rising up and flowing over, hearts connect and beat as one. Awake and sink and pounding in life's rhythm and breathing undone. Wrap your arms around me, dance your feet too close. Lift my heavy spirit with your presence, your patience, and your pulse. Wrap your arms around me, dance your feet too close. Push towards my grieving spirit with your presence your patience, and your pulse. In this place of weeping, I need to feel your pulse. I need to feel a pulse. Sherman Hotel, what a story you tell with dancing feet and eyes that weep as deep as a well. Thank you for joining me for Holy Shenanigans surprise, encourage, redirect, and sometimes turn life upside down, all in the name of love. You're invited to join me on an unpredictable spiritual adventure that is always sacred, but never stuffy.